So Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 and on, that's where we're going to be at today. It's an interesting topic, guys. I wish I could say that this is like a funny sermon with lots of jokes, but unfortunately, it's not It's not the message. We're going to look at the text, and we're going to allow the text to speak to us, right? Because there's a couple ways that you can read the Bible. You can open up the Bible, you can study it, read what it says, and then you project your thoughts into what the Bible says. The other way and the more correct way to read the Bible is to open it up, read the words, and let the Bible speak to you, and let it tell you what it says, and then try to make understanding of it. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, and here's the way we're going to start. Guys, there's a multitude of false gods that pretend to have power, that pretend to have dominion, and that pretend to have control. There are gods that we sacrifice to, that we live for, that we worship, but they are false, they're false gods because there's only one true God. Within our fallen and rebellious hearts, there's always the temptation to pursue with reckless abandon other gods, other objects, other ideas, other philosophies, other than the one true God. Because our hearts are sinful and our hearts are fallen, and there's always the desire to want to pursue something else. Deep within our hearts and our souls, there's the hunger and the desire, and there's a longing for a connection to something outside of us. There's a God-sized void in our hearts that we are constantly trying to fill up with other things. But at the end of the day, this God-sized void in our hearts remain empty because it can only ultimately be filled and it can only ultimately be satisfied by God Himself. And this is what Paul's going to remind the Galatians in chapter 4, verse 8. You have it there in your notes. Look at what it says. He tells the church in Galatia, But in the past, since you did not know God, you didn't know God, you were enslaved to the things that are nature that are by nature are not gods. Oh, would you guys just go ahead and circle the word enslave there and then underline where it says by nature not gods. Because you see, before Christ, the Gentile Christians, they were pursuing and falsely putting hope and trust in false gods. Among the gods that they worshipped were the Greek gods of Zeus and Hermes. And Paul reminds them that they were enslaved uh, to things that pretended to have power, that to pretended to have dominion, but that we're not gods. And enslavement probably really is the best way to describe the false hope with which we tend to put in people and things outside of God. For the Galatians, before putting their faith in Christ, it was living for and surrendering to these false Greek gods. They would worship, they would sacrifice, they would give. They would like give offerings and food and sacrifices to these false gods. Likewise, we too, we're tempted and oftentimes we submit to and we surrender and we sacrifice to things that are not nature by gods. But our gods are named Zeus and they are named Hermes. But you know what gods we do tend to sacrifice to? The god of power, the god of success, the gods of money, the god of sex, the god of appearance, the god of religion. These are gods that we tend to sacrifice and give to. These are things that if we're not careful, we will surrender our lives to. To no avail because they are powerless to save us from our true sinful condition. And they, they are powerless to fill us with satisfaction and purpose and love. It's impossible. And so Paul reminds the Galatians, you didn't know God, so you were a slave to these things that are simply false God with false promises. The promises that are un they're unable to keep and they're powerless to save. And if you're here today... And you're looking for purpose, if you're seeking out love, if you're looking for satisfaction, if you're looking for fulfillment from these false gods, I have bad news for you. 
And the bad news is that you're doomed for a letdown because these false gods, the false gods of success and power and fame and sex, religion, and any other god that you attempt to fill a God-sized void with, they're powerless to save. They are powerless to save. You're attempting to fill a God-sized void with things that will never measure up to God because God alone can fill that void. Paul is going to make this comparison between their former enslavement to these false gods and goddesses to their enslavement under the law under the Old Covenant. Remember, Paul's writing this letter to the churches in Galatia because a, a false religious sect had brought up a message saying, hey, in order to truly be saved, it's great that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and all that stuff. That's awesome. But you know what else you have to do? You also have to keep these rules and regulations. And so Paul is writing to address that answer. That's the whole overarching theme of the book of of uh, Galatians, but Paul's going to remind them, and here's number one in your notes, if you want to, guys, if you guys want to fill in the blank, number one in your notes is this, is that you are known by God, this is what Paul's going to remind them, you are known by God, and he says it like this in verse 9, but now since you know God, or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements, do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? You see, the Galatian Christians, they had already experienced an encounter with, with God's saving grace through Christ Jesus. They knew God. They knew the one true God. They knew about His provision for them. They knew about the adoption to the family of God, like what we spoke about last week. They knew about the adoption into the family of God through Jesus. But beyond all that, and even greater, God knew them. God knew who they were. They were known and they were loved by God. They had experienced His forgiveness. They had experienced His love and His mercy and His compassion. They had experienced it. By the way, guys, did you know that God knows you? God knows you by name. The Bible says He knows the number of hairs on your head or the lack of for some of us, right? He knows you. God knows you. God is a personal God who loves His creation and He loves you. But Paul is saying to the Galatians, you know God. God knows you, you've experienced his goodness, you've experienced his faithfulness, you've experienced his mercy, but yet you still want to go back to your enslavement? And some of you know exactly what Paul is talking about here, because you too were enslaved. You, re you were recklessly pursuing false gods and idols. You attempted to pursue fulfillment and satisfaction and purpose from anything or anyone. But time and time again you were let down because those people and things will always fall short before God. You see, for the Galatians and for this religious sect that was bringing up this false message, the Judaizers, Paul compared depending on and keeping all of the demands of the law, it was equivalent to the enslavement that they experienced pursuing false gods and idols. He said they're one and the same, guys. You pursuing the, the law to, set to save you and your enslavement to these false gods, they're the same thing. You see, guys, the moment we add anything to the simple, pure, and true message of the gospel... It becomes idolatry. Let me say that again. The moment we add anything to the simple, pure, and true message of the gospel, it becomes idolatry. Whenever you elevate your religiosity and attempt at keeping the law above God's provision already made for you in Christ, it becomes idolatry. It is a false God that we look to for saving, and your religion and your good deeds and your Christendom is powerless to save. Your Christendom cannot save you. But yet, there's always the temptation to turn uh, to our religiosity to save us. 
for some reason. I don't know why, but it, it, deep within us, like we say, hey, if I do X, Y, Z, if I become a very good and religious person, then obviously that makes me right with God. But that's why Paul warns this, number two in your notes, you can write this down. Don't be a slave to worthless spiritual principles. Don't be a slave to worthless spiritual principles. We're going to explain that in a second, but let's read verse 10 and 11. Look at what he says, guys. This is very interesting here. He says, you are observing special days, months, seasons, and years. I'm fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. Now, this is an interesting two verses here that we read. And Paul opens up a whole can of worms here about keeping certain days. And let me try to explain briefly in the Old Testament. If you guys read through the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, there were special days, months, years, and even seasons that were commanded to the Israelites, to the Jewish people, to keep as holy, to set apart. It was a part of the list of rules and regulations that they were to keep. But once again, Paul is saying that Jesus came to die in our place for our sin, and he ultimately fulfilled the law by doing that. And now, all we need to experience God's forgiveness and to be welcomed into the family of God is to put our faith in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus died in our place, He conquered the grave, and His sacrifice was sufficient. But Paul is telling the Galatians here, you already know this. I've explained all this to you. You know, have I wasted my breath? Am I talking to the wall? You guys understand. You get this. You no longer have to be enslaved to those worthless spiritual principles, to keeping the days, the months, the years. You don't have to do that. Because Jesus paid the price once and for all. By the way, do you think that this was just an ancient thought process only for the Galatians? This idea of just keeping a day or just keeping a month or a season or a week. Do you think this was just to the Galatians? No way. Because this type of religious thinking continues to permeate even today. And, uh, and this is why lovingly I say this statement. We would disagree with our Seventh-day Adventist friends. We would disagree with them. Let me explain to you why. Adventism was founded by a false prophet named William Miller, who claimed Jesus would return in 1843 to 1844. And of course, Jesus did not return, 1843 or 44. Jesus did not return. But there was a remnant of people that continued Adventism and created an additional theology to excuse Miller's calculations. In the years to come, a woman named Ellen White, some of you probably know the history already, a woman named Ellen White claimed to have prophetic visions, which explained and confirmed Miller's predictions. And they elevated her prophecies to the degree of Scripture. And so they said whatever she said, her prophetic words are equivalent to Scripture. Among the prophetic revelations was the adoption of keeping a day holy, the Sabbath. Uh, hence the name of the church is Seventh-day Adventist. They believe the Sabbath must be kept and the Sabbath is Saturday. And shortly after that, according to her prophetic writings, they began to adopt other legalisms such as dietary restrictions. They said that if you're truly a Christian, you shouldn't eat, uh, you shouldn't eat meat or you shouldn't eat this and that and, and you have to keep Saturday. They added these rules or legalisms. Many Adventists adopt the works-based theology, meaning that in order to earn God's favor and salvation, they must keep these rules and regulations. It's works-based, meaning that it's not dependent on Christ's work on the cross, but on a person's ability to keep certain rules and regulations. Now, why do I bring this up? I lovingly bring it up because this is a big discrepancy in what the Bible says and what people preach. And that's why I bring it up, because I don't want you to be confused and misinform and misunderstand. This is exactly what Paul is preaching against. 
This is what Paul is warning the Galatians. He says, guys, don't be enslaved to those worthless spiritual principles. Guys, the moment that we think that we can earn God's favor by keeping a day holy or by putting more money in the offering bucket or by going to church or by volunteering at the local soup kitchen or taking a trip to the Holy Land to cry and pray at the Wailing Wall, you rob from Jesus. You steal from His work on the cross. You cheapen the nails that were driven through His hands and His feet. In short, what you do when you, when you think you can earn God's favor and salvation through all of that, you take Jesus off of His throne and you put yourself there. Because in thinking that you can earn your way into heaven or into a right standing with God, you elevate yourself to Savior of your own sins. But what you need to understand is that you are unable. You simply cannot. Our greatest efforts, as nice as they may seem, always fall short. You can try but you will always fail. Even if you are successful or think you are successful, then why did God have to send Jesus? Then why did Jesus have to send, why did God have to send Jesus and why did he have to die on the cross if you are able to atone for your own sin? If you're able to control your own right standing with God? He should have sent you. He should have sent you to die for me because I know I'm a sinner and I know I fall incredibly short. And so maybe he should have sent you to die in my place for salvation, but he didn't. He sent Jesus. There is a better way. There is a provision that was made, listen, for you and for me. There was one who was able to fulfill the law that we were unable to keep. He was able to fulfill it on our behalf. There was one who took the punishment for our sin. There was one who paid the penalty for our sin with his life. There was one who was mighty to save and powerful enough to conquer the grave and the power that sin had on me, and it's Jesus. Jesus lived the life that you or I could not live. Jesus innocently died the wretched death that was meant for me to die, for you to die. He died in our place. He was placed in a grave. And in his death, his sacrifice was sufficient to satisfy the wrath of God for our sin. In his death, your sins are forgiven and they are atoned for. And you don't have anything to do to pay for it. Jesus did. But three days later, he rose from the grave, conquering Satan's sin and death, loosening the grip that sin had on us. And in his life, there's the promise that we too will rise, that we too have life, a life that is not subject to the bondage or enslavement of sin, and the promise of eternity in the arms of our Heavenly Father for all eternity. And while there's good news for us one day in an eternity with God, there's also good news for us now, and that's number three in your notes. Paul's going to say this, because of Jesus, we can live in freedom. Because of Jesus, we can live in freedom. There's good news for us one day where we're in heaven and in, and in all eternity away from this earth in the presence of God, in a new earth, new heavens and new earth. There's, there's good news for us one day, but there's also good news for us today. And that is that we can live in freedom. Here's how Paul says it. Galatians 4, verse 12. You might not see it right away. I'm going to try to bring it out for you. He says, I beg you, brothers and sisters, become like me. Go ahead and circle that part of the verse. Become like me. For I also became like you. Now what is Paul referring to when he says become like me? He's talking about the freedom that he's experienced by putting his faith in Jesus Christ and on his atoning work on the cross. And he's inviting the Galatians into the freedom of Jesus. And this is exactly what it feels like to put your faith in Christ. There's a weight that you feel when you put the pressure of attempting to atone for your own sins on yourself. 
There's a pressure that you feel. There's a burden that you place on yourself. When you think, hey, if I keep the law, if I keep the rules and regulations, if I, if I do these things, you put this pressure on your back. But when you allow Jesus to step in and to do what only he could do, there's a weight that is taken off of your shoulders. There's a weight that's all taken off your shoulders and you can experience this newfound freedom in Jesus. Guys, some of you are not free. You're carrying a burden and a weight that you were never meant to bear. It's simply a weight that you are unable to manage. And the invitation from Jesus this morning to you and to me is to step into his freedom. Step into his freedom. For some of you, here's what it means. It means you're going to have to let go of the gods and the idols that you've been living for. Some of you have elevated success. You've elevated fame. You've elevated money. You've elevated your appearance. You've elevated love or romance or sex or popularity or what have you. You've elevated those things to the place of God in your life. You sacrifice for it. You give to it. You live for it. You are compelled by it. And in the invitation from Jesus this morning is the call to let go. Let go of your enslavement to those things and surrender to Jesus. And in Him, you're going to find freedom. And when you do, you will truly find meaning. Then you'll really find purpose. Then you'll really experience love. Then you'll really truly be successful and experience a richness that surpasses any monetary amount that you can gain on earth. For some of you, it means that you have to lose your religion. You have to let go of your religiosity. You have to release the pressure that you've placed on yourself to gain God's approval, to try to gain His love, to try to gain His acceptance by keeping worthless spirituals. You need to lose your religion. At the end of the day, those, those things do not have the power to save. And all they do is keep you from experiencing Christ's freedom and keep you in bondage. You enslave yourself to these things and you're so uptight because of it. Guys, religious people are no fun. You know, religious people, they're just not any fun. They're so uptight. And I see why. If you're depending on, if you're depending on your religion and your ability to keep the letter of the law or your good deeds or whatever, that's a burden you were never meant to carry. And I'd be uptight too. If that was me. But there's an amazing freedom. Guys, there is a freedom. Let me say it again. There is a freedom that you and I have access to. Freedom from trying to uphold the law because we are sinful and fallen human beings who will always fall short before the glory of God and freedom to experience God's love and mercy and forgiveness made available to us through Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to invite Franklin to come up here. He's going to lead us in one more song today. But I just want to close out before we pray and saying this, that if you're here today and you're yet, you've yet to experience the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, you have the opportunity to respond to what has been made available for you through Jesus. And all you have to do, listen, is not, is not scab your knees in prayer. It's not say 30 Hail Marys. It's not go to church every single day. It's not give more money in the offering bucket. It's not any of those things. All you have to do is put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. Don't depend on your religiosity. Don't depend on other false gods that will attempt to draw your adoration. Depend on Jesus because He is the only one that is mighty to save. Would you guys bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray with me. If that's you and you made a decision to follow Jesus, that's a decision between you and God, and I don't want to coerce you, force you, or make you do anything like that. That's a, that's a decision between you and God. But if you have made that decision to follow Jesus and put Him first in your life, then I would, we would love to know about it as your church family. 
And the way you can let us know is by checking off on the back of your connection card. Let us know, I've made a decision to follow Jesus. And in a moment, you'll have an opportunity to hand that in. But for all of us, guys, there's a challenge to walk in the freedom of Christ, to let go of those false idols, to lose our religion, to lose our enslavement to those things, and to walk in freedom in Christ. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we've experienced in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that I'm known by God. You know me. You've chosen to reveal yourself to me. Thank you that I don't have to depend on my ability to uphold the law. A way has been prepared for me, and it's through Jesus. I no longer have to be enslaved to worthless spiritual principles, and I can experience great freedom in Jesus. And God, all over this place, God, I pray that we would be set free from the bondage of religion or from those other false gods that we give and sacrifice and, and adore and worship. God, that we would loosen them, that we would let them go, and that you would do an amazing work in each and every single one of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.